Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Back to business as usual. Uh, we are a Bible-believing church here at ES First, so we read through books of the Bible and preach through them. I was going to skip about a chapter and a half. I was going to uh, pull a real Larry Block, but I didn't. And uh, I, I, I looked at this verse, I was like, that doesn't sound like a good sermon. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I asked God about it, he said, don't you dare skip it, um, boy. He called me boy and smacked me on the face. Run, tell your daddy that, he said. You didn't say that. But um, so I'm preaching uh, some verses that I didn't think um, maybe, maybe I should preach, maybe I shouldn't preach, but I'm going to preach them today with some good passion and vigor because I believe they're valuable. So, uh, the book of James is what I call the self-help book of the Bible. If you want to get better, if you want to get stronger, if you're looking at people who are heroes of the faith and trying to figure out what it is that they got that you ain't got, it is in the book of James. It's in the book of James. It will change your life. Devour it and then decide to live like it. Verse 7. Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for the cranberry jelly or this jelly. God's going to give it to you. Are you ready? Okay. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Therefore, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. It is powerful. We know that it cuts deep into places that we're not sure even existed, but it is alive in us, and we are grateful. I thank you that the word never, ever fails that as we practice it and do it, that it becomes something that, without a doubt, is working for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm a recipe guy. Uh, my, my love for recipes started with that I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and we had no restaurants. Um, actually, we had a couple. We had like a Hardee's in our smart town. We didn't have a McDonald's. Um, we had what was called the family table. A restaurant called The Family Table. We'd go there after church. And oddly enough, they had like down-home style and Mexican food. But it wasn't really like Mexican-Mexican food. It was like your Aunt Sally threw together some enchiladas, and then you could get that if you wanted. Um, and there was, a, there was an A&W. It was the drive-in style. You know what I'm talking about? You had to drive in and sit there, and then people would bring your food out, and they would set your food on the window. Sonic wishes it was this cool, okay? And they would set a whole napkin holder on the tray on your car. We would sit there and chill out. Um, we had that. We had uh, what was called uh, a Dairy Queen. Anybody ever heard of Dairy Queen? 
Dairy Queen, we had one of those. It was before they had all the food, just only ice cream. So we had A&W, we had ice cream, we had the family table. And then we had, um, what, what else did I say? Hardee's, Hardee's, and this place called the Made Right. That was all we had. Um, but I had a desire for and a love for food, so I would watch cooking shows, and then I would figure out how to make stuff. So one of my favorite things to watch was this show called Yan Can Cook. Okay, it was this Asian dude who would cook stuff, and he would he would cook, and he'd be like, "Oh, this is so good! I wish you had smell-o-vision." You know, like he says what he did. And so I convinced my dad that I needed to cook. So what I did is I would grab my my mom's vegetables out of the refrigerator, like celery and carrots and whatever kind of crap I could find, and I would cut it up with a knife, and then I would get ramen noodles. Okay, and you cook up some ramen noodles. Ramen noodles cover a multitude of sins. They also are of the devil, but they are so good. But everybody knows that the pleasures of sin are good for a season, but the end is destruction. So you can't eat ramen noodles forever, but when you're young and you want to make Chinese food, it is a great staple. So I'm making soup, and I'm, I'm making all this stuff, and I'm cutting up carrots, and I'm cutting up. And then, of course, like, it's so good, and you've convinced your brothers and sisters that it is really Chinese food. And so they're, they're excited to have this Chinese food, and I'm like, Yan. At one point, I, I, I had my dad convinced that he was going to buy me a, a set of chef knives and one of those big butcher block kind of like, whoa bah! And like, I wanted to be a chef so bad. But over the course of the years, even though those things were not so good at the beginning, I, I, I had a desire for eating food that I, I wanted out there that I couldn't get anywhere else, and I, I wanted it to be here where I am. You know that feeling? So, like, has anybody ever felt that way? Like, I just want my mom's, and you can probably name it right now. I just remember my aunt, she would always make blah, blah, blah. Like, I want Kelly Anderson's strawberry dessert bars, but I never get any. She always making pumpkin bread and never strawberry stuff for me, so I don't know what I got to do. Maybe if I preach about it enough, I'll get some. But, um, you know, everybody's got, like, the recipe they want, and so you go around, and then you ask somebody. You're like, hey, what's that recipe? Can I get that recipe? And in the olden days, in the olden days, this little old lady would walk over to the cupboard, let's see here, and she would look in her little box of stuff, and she would pull out a three by five card, and sometimes it had little doilies and designs on it. And they'd be like, here's the recipe for that cake you love so much. Here's the recipe for that casserole. Even though they didn't use that recipe anymore, they just knew how to do it. They would give you the recipe. You would go home with this recipe, you would try it, and the recipe would fail. You would be all excited, and you'd have some dinner guests come over, and you'd be like, I got this thing, and I've been working all day, and it's just like Peggy Jacobs, and I know what it's going to be like. And, if, and you lay it out, and then it doesn't work. Anybody else ever fell that way? So I, through the years, have, have become good at barbecue. I've become good at my favorite coleslaw of all time. I don't eat anybody else's coleslaw. I hate coleslaw. I even try it other places, and I was like, I knew this was going to be terrible. It's not my coleslaw. And so a lot of times I've gotten to where my thing that I make is better than anybody else's. Anybody ever felt this way? I just want it the way I do it. I told you that stuffing is my favorite uh, Thanksgiving meal, and most people mess it up. 
Okay, and so when I went down to Florida, I was just trying to play it cool the way I play it cool. And for some reason, I'm sitting there in a chair. I got bombarded by three different women all coming in and telling me about the stuffing. And I got a stovetop box and I should do this. Do you want to make the own stuff? It's like, no, I don't want to do nothing. I want to sit around, stare at the walls and listen to Sade. That's what I want to do. And you're telling me I need to cook something. I just came down here to do nothing. As a matter of fact, I've been chauffeuring my parents who have been giving me a driver's education course for the past 24 hours from Kansas City all the way to Florida. I don't want to do anything. But for some reason, they thought the recipe was important to me, and so they made it. And so then afterwards, they're like, well, what did you think of this stuffing? And that's a hard question for Brandon. You know, I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't mine. You know what I mean? It just wasn't mine. It wasn't my mom's, but it was good. And I'm okay with that. Recipes are a weird deal because everybody wants a recipe to make things the way they should be, the way they desire them to be. But most of the time, our recipes fall short. And what James is trying to tell us here in this moment, he's like, look, I got, I got the recipe for your good life. I've been telling you for four chapters, I need you to consider it all joy. And I'm telling you that God is good and, and everything that's p- perfect and good comes from him. And he, he begins to lay out to us that all evil comes from Satan himself. And he, go, he goes walking through, he's like, you need to watch your tongue and you need to do good deeds. You need to show who you are by what you do. It should come out and everything. He is giving us a recipe for the good life. And most of us are like, that's sounds really good, James, but I don't know that it's really the way my life works out. As a matter of fact, you pulled out that little card and you gave it to me and I brought everybody and I told them that this is the way and this is what we're supposed to do. And I laid it out for everybody on the table. And for some reason, it just doesn't hit. For some reason, I walk out and I have the same things over and over and over again. And as a matter of fact, we just kind of chalk it up to this particular phrase is that I'm a broken person. I'm imperfect. I have all these issues. And we even polish it up a little bit. We're like, well, what they need to know is not that I'm imperfect or that I'm broken. They need to know, just know that I'm human. Isn't it great that we're all just human? We're just human. It's a big cover-up for the fact that in our souls, we are not whole. Wholeness is what God is going after. And James, what he's trying to tell you over and over and over again, step by step in this self-help book, is that you can, will, and should be whole. Whole. And long about chapter 4, he comes through and he gives us this recipe for wholeness. Wholeness. The world is trying to make you whole with their systems, but they fall short again and again and again. They'll tell you that you need to go to the spa more. They'll tell you to go on vacation more. They need to tell you to go to therapy more. And trust me, all of these things are good. I like all of them. But it's not going to make you whole on the inside until you get James's recipe for wholeness. And it is this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil He'll flee from you, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Submit, resist, come. That's it. And then he gives you this life application thing afterwards. He's like, look, wash your hands, you sinners. Change your ways, you double-minded. Mourn. Stop laughing and having so much fun. I realize it's Thanksgiving. You need to be weeping a little more. And the world... 
doesn't want to accept this and the church is running to it like they want you to just, everybody just needs to be sorry for themselves. Everybody needs to be crushed. Religion says, hey, you need to sit around and think about how bad you've been. The church is in love with punishment and, and the world is in love with escapism and we go back and forth and back and forth. Neither of them will get you to wholeness. Neither of them will walk you into the place that God has for you. He says, look, you need to submit yourself to God. And I talked in depth about this word submit. It's hippotasso. But it is, is this word that, that we yield ourselves to. And, and the church has told you that submitting means that you need to tell everybody that you're absolute trash, that you're nothing, that nothing in you is good, and nothing ever can come out of you that's worth anything. And God says, well, I saw you out there struggling weeping, wailing, doing everything and not succeeding. And I thought it was so important for you to be with me that I would give Jesus for you because I saw something in you. And the whole time religion is saying, no, 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 you're nothing. No, you're trash. No, you can't. No, 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 no. And God is saying, yes, you can. With God, nothing is impossible. Everything should be possible for you. I designed you. I knit you together. You have what it takes. That's what God is doing all the time for you. And religion is saying, no, you need to feel sorry for yourself. You need to mourn a little more. You need to go back into your bed and think about what you've done. God is saying, hey, forget the past. Look forward. I'm doing a new thing. This is what God is constantly doing. Yeah. Religion is taking you to a recipe for disaster. The world is telling you, hey, just forget that. Forget that religious crap over there. Forget all that stuff. You just need to go out here and just live for this moment. And in this moment, you can do whatever you want because nothing else exists besides this. It's just this moment. Life is short. And God says that. Life is short. Life is a fleeting vapor, he's going to tell us. He tells us that, you know, there, there's, you're not promised tomorrow. That the past doesn't matter. It's, it's this moment. But it's, it's moving forward to a place in relationship with God. The world is saying, all you have is this moment, and it could be gone, so you might as well feel the best that you can. It's terrible. The enemy is shooting fiery darts at you getting you to repeat cycles in your life of feel good. I feel good. I just want to be better. I just want to get away. I just got to get free from this stress and this anxiety. And everything he shoots at you is a remedy that will not fulfill. And then he turns around and shames you for participating in it and then cycles this whole thing of, yes, just do this. And then, no, that's terrible. What? Yes, you I knew it. You always do this. Yeah, you should just carry on just like that. And then, yeah, every time, you know, you're such a loser. And that's the world's way, the devil's way of inviting you into his process, neither of which will bring you to wholeness and do what God wants to do in your life. So what we have to do is follow this formula. And if you follow it, it will change your life. You have to take everything that you are, everything that you've become, everything that you've worked on, everything you've dreamed of, everything inside of you that you have, have worked and, 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 and struggled and, and strived for and come to God and say, this is the best that I have. This is all that I am. And because of who you are, God, I lay it all at your feet. Everything I am, everything I'm not. Everything I could be, 
everything I've failed at. Every success, every triumph, and every failure. I lay at your feet, God, and I submit it to you. Submit yourselves then for, therefore to God. The next thing he says is he's going to resist the devil. Because the minute you start to lay things down, you start to kind of become off guard. You know what I mean? Anybody else ever just, you know, let your guard down a little? Anybody? Okay. Thank you, sir. I feel you. It's a whole lot easier to be guarded than to let your guard down. So the natural idea is that we come to God and we give him everything. It's letting our guard down. And then everything that the enemy has, he is coming for you. He is coming for you. The thing that makes this exchange different than all the others is that you are now resting not in yourself. You're not resting in another person. You're not trying to find love. You're not trying to find security. You're not trying to find purpose. You are trying to find this, the source of all things. It's God. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is the same thing that happened to Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, right after Jesus gets baptized, Jesus gets baptized and the skies open up and a dove comes down and lands on Jesus' shoulder. And maybe it's a dove, maybe it's fire. I don't know exactly, but it was like a dove. And it was just this amazing thing. Everyone could see it. There's Jesus in the water. There's the Holy Spirit. The skies open up and God says, This is my beloved son. I am well pleased with him. I love him so, so much. And Jesus, right after that moment, walks out into the desert. And for 40 days, 40 nights, he's all alone. No food, no water, fasting, because the Holy Spirit sent him there. And in this time, the devil sees an opportunity. And he comes to Jesus three different times. And he offers him, it's called the temptation of Christ. He tempts him three different times. He offers him tremendous things and, and uh, speaks to his lack and speaks to his places that he's broken physically. Although he has just submitted himself to God spiritually and now his spirituality is being put to the test as the enemy comes. This is the same thing that happens to you. When you submit to God, the enemy comes and it's in those moments that a lot of people think that it's over. It's like, obviously, God doesn't know what he's doing. I'm out here. I'm starving. I'm all alone. And the enemy's showing up. Satan is right in my face telling me again and again and again. But as you submit yourself, you don't find yourself in an unguarded place. You find yourself under the shadow of the Almighty. So Satan comes, and each time he stabs at Jesus, Jesus turns back to the submission of the word. And he says, I've submitted myself to this. Man shall not live by bread alone. Do not put your Lord God to the test. He begins to submit himself to the truth. And in those moments, finally, the devil flees. And the Bible says that Satan goes away to look for a more opportune time. In other words, that Satan comes to you and he's pounding on you. You can resist him and he has to flee. 
I preached a sermon online uh, a few weeks, maybe months ago, that I talk about opposing God. Resistance is opposing Satan with the right tools, with the right weapons, and it is opposing God from a place of peace that comes from God. You have to oppose the enemy with the power of God. And this is what Jesus is doing, submitting himself to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from to you, from you. And then it says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Our process of this word come is like, well, I'm getting there. You know what I mean? The people at this particular church, when they say something about, you know, well, that was really good. I, I have a reputation for saying, well, it's getting there. It's getting there. And so, like, when uh, I usually say that about myself, and then it comes about, out about other stuff. So people say, like, hey, your sermon was really, really good. And I will say, it's getting there. They're like, hey, that song was really, really good. Oh, man, the sound is really sounding good. That sounds good. Well, it's getting there. Because I'm constantly working and trying. I see something, and I'm trying to go for it. And so our idea of coming close to God is I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. And we just want to come near. But actually the same word that is there, come near to God, is the same one that Jesus uses when he says, if I'm casting out demons by the finger of God, you know that the kingdom of heaven has come near you. It's used in Revelation that, that God has come. It's not coming is in the process, it is finished. When you come to God, it's not so much about this, this process of, well, today I'm closer than I was yesterday. You actually come near to God, and he comes near to you, and it's in that moment that you are united with the creator of all things. Come near means I am here. Not I'm coming, I have come. Come near. Come near to God. I am come. I have come. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. To me, this is the greatest relationship. It is the greatest realization that you will ever have in your life. It is where God wants you to be every single day. When you wake up, when you fall asleep, whether you just drove to Florida or you're going to work tomorrow, whether you got to figure out how to stay home for two weeks with all your kids because you're quarantined or you got to get up and go despite everything else is just trash in your life. Whatever it is, God wants you to be in this place. I submit the devil's come with all he's got, but I rest under the power of the almighty and trust me right near. I am coming near to God and he is coming near to me. It is this relationship. And so then James says, wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands, you sinners. He goes, hey, repent, you double-minded. Change your direction, you double-minded. And I believe that those two words, I, I, I processed this all week. I was like, God, what the heck is going on here? Because when I research these words and I go across the whole Bible and I'm, and I'm, I'm seeing scripture after scripture, how do these fit in? And the, the religious church goes, yeah, you sinners, are you double-minded? You better repent. You better come down here and feel like trash for the rest of your life every single day because that's what submitting yourself to God is. And God's like, no, that's not quite what I had in mind. Actually, what I have in mind is wholeness. And he keeps telling you, over and over and over again, but you have this love affair with passion, punishing yourself. You know what I mean? Anybody else? You have this like, it's like self-degradation. 
if I just call myself out on it before anybody else, it doesn't hurt as bad. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this stupid thing, this old shirt, I've had it for five years. It's just, I got to stay in, I got to rip over here, I guess I just put a jacket on, I'm so poor. And then somebody comes around and goes, that's not true. I love that shirt when you wear it. I love the rip. I thought you ripped it on purpose. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank God I made fun of myself first and then someone made me feel good about myself. It is the way. I mean, it's, it, it probably started with Generation X. You know who you guys are. Sarcasm at its best is just making fun of myself so that I beat everybody else to the punch. So when they hurt me, it doesn't feel so bad. And that's our religious effort when we come into God. If I just, you know, tell God how trash I am, maybe Brandon will tell me what God really thinks about me. And then for a day I'll feel better. But then I'm going to go back and say, oh, you know, I'm just so trash. And we think that is us having a relationship with God. And God actually says, I'll send my son so that we can have a real relationship. I don't want you coming in and being like, I'm trash, I'm trash, I'm trash. He says, actually, my sacrifice of my son will make it like this. that You can come boldly into the throne room of God. I sit on the throne, I'm in charge of everything, and you can walk in like you're mine. And when you need something, you can ask, and you don't have to worry. You don't have to go through this groveling process. You don't have to self-degradate with everybody else. I know I shouldn't ask, but I just, I'm to the point now, God, that I, I, all that's left is for me to do is pray. I've done everything that I know how to do, God, if you could just do anything. It's like, why you wait so long to hit me up? I told you to come boldly into my throne room. I'm sitting here. All you want to do is grovel like you're on the cast of friends. You're stupid. Come in here. Like, we have a real relationship. And stop bowing to the toxicity of religion. The other side is the world, the sinners. Now, this is hard for me because I was like, God, you said, like, wash your hands, you sinners. But isn't it, isn't it the blood of Jesus that makes us sin less? Is it, wasn't it your sacrifice that, that, you wanted, that you wanted us to be righteous? And so, like, I've been, I've been reading and I've been seeing it. Maybe I'm wrong. And now you're like, wash your hands, you sinners. And it's like God said, no, I'm talking about two different sects of people. And they're right there, to the sinners and the double-minded, neither of which are mine. And I was like, wow, that's pretty deep. You're going to have to show me that a little deeper because sitting on this beach looking at these clouds, I'm not sure how to process that right now. He said, we'll talk later. Thanks, God. And he began to talk to me more and more and more. And I was like, Jesus, your reputation was that you hung out with sinners. And now James is here spanking everybody, saying, wash your hands, you sinners. And I feel like that's what the church is doing constantly, just hitting people up. Not all the church, I don't mean that. I mean the religious idea. He's like, yeah. He's like, the difference is, it's me saying, I am willing to come near to you so that you can taste my goodness. And you notice that every sinner I hung out with changed because I showed them the goodness of God. 
I was like, wow. The first one I thought about was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is climbing the tree, and Jesus says, you, come, come to my house for tea. And whatever that means. I don't know, his house or your house. I'm going to your house today for tea, for two, for tea. Let's go. And he goes and hangs out, and all the church people are like, hey, let's just hang out with the sinners over there. And he's like, yeah. And, 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 and Zacchaeus is like so overwhelmed with God's goodness and his, his relationship. He's like, you know what? I've wronged a bunch of people. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to pay them double, triple, four times. Anybody I've wronged, I'm going I'm to do it right. I want to be in your presence. And everybody's like, look at that Jesus hanging out with the sinners. In the meantime, Jesus is hanging out with them, and his goodness causes everybody that's ever come in contact with Zacchaeus to become rich in an instant. Think about that. Just by association of being near the goodness of God. So James says, hey, look, wash your hands, you sinners. What he's saying is, there's a bunch of people that have the name of God, but they've taken it in vain. I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I I believe. Oh, yeah, my, my mom was a Baptist. Oh, yeah, we were raised Catholic. They have a name but they're still living in the world system. When it comes to submission, they only submit to themselves, which is the world's God. That's a sinner. Wash your hands, you sinners, the people who will take the name of God. I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, but really they're just dead. They don't ever even speak to God other than to just ask for things in a superstitious way. They have no relationship, no connection. They are far from God. And over here, he goes, hey, you need to purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mm, double-minded. It's the people, like that one kid you got, you know, that comes in, like, oh, mom, I love you, and I want to hang out with you. And then you're like, oh, come over here, and hang out with me. Like, nah, I got better stuff to do. And they just run away. You know, like the kids, like, yeah, but they're never around. They don't want to be around. It's like, you're their parent. You know, they belong to you, but they're really not yours. You don't have a relationship. Double-minded. This is the same thing James said in the first chapter. He's like, when you ask, believe and don't doubt. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The double-minded is the person who says one thing, and he says, let not that person think that they will ever receive anything from God. It's a person who acts like they're a Christian. They have this idea of religion, but it's all just smoke and mirrors. They don't play the songs the way I like them. They don't take communion the way I think it should be done. They don't baptize the way I should, the way I think it should be done. They're not They're not, and they have this system around religion. It's actually, they think they're worshiping God by doing these things, but they're actually double-minded. They're serving their own toxic turnaround again and again and again. And then they invite people in. Hey, when you come to my church, and this is what you should do to become holy. And so when James says, look, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. And he goes, wash your hands. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify you hearts, you double-minded. He says, you need to go back, you need to mourn. 
You stop being so happy about all this stuff. You need to mourn. And everybody else goes, if you have a relationship with God, you better mourn. And that's not what God is saying. He's saying, if you have not tasted my glory yet, when you come in and you taste my recipe, what's going to happen is you're going to go, why didn't I know about this sooner? Where have I been loving the world so much? Why have I gone out here and done things my own way for so long? I'm so sick of it. And they start to mourn and rip their clothes. But the truth is, God is saying, I want you. I need you. Same feeling that Jesus had everywhere he went. I just I want you. I want you close. I want you by my side. I need you. And once you, you taste and see that the Lord is good, trust me, everything else will feel like, why did I do that? And he's going to lift your head and he's going to say, I just want to show you. I just want to show you who I am to you. He says, when you humble yourself like that, it's not because you're saying you're nothing, it's just that he's everything. And when you come to that place, you go, my God. And he says, you humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. Not that you're anything less, but that everything else that you tried couldn't compare. So what we have in our life is a bunch of people who won't yield to this process. They've got the recipe and somebody gave them the card, said, here you go. But they don't know how to put it all together. Because they've listened to either a toxic religion or the world's remedy. And he is saying, no, I have a recipe for you. It is wholeness. Come near to God. So this verse is sandwiched between, here's this, repent and Wash your hands, purify yourselves, feel terrible about yourself, mourn, cry, do a, stop laughing so much, and your life will be better. Well, when do I stop mourning? When do I start laughing again? Because the Bible says it turns your mourning into joy, your tears into laughter, and there's no remedy there. My God. It's kind of a weird passage to just slap right in the middle there. It's supposed to be Thanksgiving, you know. I can't preach this. And he's like, no, you're going to preach it, and this is what you're going to do. And he's like, these two are together, but everybody separates them because it sounds like he starts new. And he says, is your mourning and your joy to gloom? Humble yourselves to the Lord and he'll lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. He says, as I feel like God told me this week, uh, The recipe for wholeness is coming near to God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll come near to you. And you got to taste the goodness of God. That's the vertical relationship, the horizontal relationship that keeps souring everybody. It keeps souring other people from coming to God and tasting the goodness. It's the same thing that happened to Zacchaeus, same thing that happened to blind Bartimaeus. It's like everybody pushing him away. You're unclean. We don't want you here. And, and, and it's this, this religious mentality. The, the Samaritan woman, she comes out and she's like, I'm out here and I can't even go to the mountain to worship. They say, come to the mountain to worship because if you don't do this way, it's not right. And I can't even go there because I'm of the wrong descendancy. I have the wrong heritage. 
I can't even go there and worship. And everybody is being pushed away. And what is happening is people have exchanged this true relationship with God for some form of religion. And they're not whole and they're broken. They have this bad recipe of religion. They're not whole. They're not healed. They're bitter. They envy. They, the minute they get ahead, then they want to look at somebody else and go, let me tell you how I did it to get here. You're not as good as me. And just, it's back and forth. And what happens is it transfers over to other people. So because we're not healed, then we transfer judgment to others. You got that? So this is in light of that. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges and judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. What he says is when you look at somebody else and you judge them. Now, there's lots of things we could judge. I started to make a list. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be guilty of judging someone else either. But you need to know. People are judging each other, not just for their sinful actions, for the things that they think are righteous. So he says, when you judge another person, you are judging the law. I was like, wow, that's, what does that mean? I began to read and, 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 and look around and do research and talk to God. And he's like, look, even in the New Testament, the law is still holy. The law is still holy. It's perfect. It's what God meant for that season. However, it works out. It's like it mattered to God, and it was set aside. And the Jews knew this. They were willing to follow it and treat it as something that was so sacred that you didn't touch it. Okay? He says, so James, when he's talking, about the, talking to the Jews, he's like, look, when you judge another person, you're actually judging the law. And I was like, that sounds so stupid. How do you judge the law? In other words, what James is really, really saying is like that thing of the law is holy. You're not supposed to touch it. You're supposed to handle it with care. Judgment, he says, belongs to God. It is holy. Holy. You know what that means? You don't touch it. It's separate. It's other. It belongs to God. In the Old Testament... David was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and he was rocking it. He had all these people carrying it. He was doing all this stuff, and he was treating it like it's holy. The Ark of the Covenant starts to fall off, and Uzzah, this well-intentioned man, reach up and goes, hey, that's falling off. And I always think about Eric Potter when that happens. Like, and it's like Eric Potter's hanging out, and something happens, and he's like, oh, I got it. I can fix it. And Eric reaches up to just to make sure it doesn't fall because it's holy, it's righteous, it's good. And Eric touches it, and Eric dies. No, not really. But in the Bible, Uzzah died. He was just a well-intentioned good guy. He knew how to fix some stuff. He's like, whoa, that's fallen. Make sure it doesn't fall. Let's serve King David. Let's serve God well. Let's do this. And he touches it and he dies. Why did he die? Because he touched something that was God's holiness. And all of these people want to walk around like they're talking for God. Oh, I'm so, I know what God's saying. I know what we're supposed to do. You're not supposed to do that. And I can't believe you do that. And all these people are so stupid. And they're far from God. And he says, when you start to judge people like that, what you're doing is you're touching something that's not supposed to be touched, boy. Stop judging everybody. 
It's for God to do. And the problem, here's why you cannot judge. And people go, well, I'm not perfect either. It's like, no, it's, you're not whole. Only God can judge because he's the only one who's absolutely, perfectly whole. And if you were to track back in your life the places that are the most tender, you know, the places where you want revenge, the places where you're broken and you, you don't really want to bring up and talk about. But then somebody like brings it up, brings something up just even close, close to it, you know? Like, oh, you know what happened to me? And then something rises up inside of you and it doesn't come from righteousness, it comes from brokenness. Not good brokenness, bad. And you go, well, you know what? I can't believe it. And then a lot of times we'll take on other people's pains and problems because we are not healed. That same thing happened to me. I can't believe that. I got you, girl. We want to live in our brokenness and then judge others, pointing the finger. James is like, look, you want a recipe for wholeness? It's this. Submit all that you are, all that you've become, all that you've worked on, all of that you, that you have ever dreamed of and submit it to God for his service, to be in service to him. And in those moments, trust me, the enemy's going to come. And Jesus had people coming on every which way. And he had every right to be bitter and resentful. And he's like, look, I studied in the tabernacle with these guys. They called me their friend. I was supposed to be rabbi with them. Look, I, I, the very oxygen they're breathing, I created. When they open their mouth to speak ill of me, they're using my science. The very brain that they think thoughts about me, ill intentions, I designed it. I gave it to him. He had every opportunity, and the enemy was just like, fiery darts, but he resisted them, opposed Satan, and it didn't end there. We're talking about in the Garden of Eden. He's like, he's like look, God, if there's any other way that we can not do this, that'd be great, because I don't want to do this. I believe that 100%, that was the enemy going, you can't handle this. You can't take it. There's no way you can get through this. There's no way. And he's like, ah, you know what? I don't know, God. But, and then he flips it and he goes, nevertheless, I am submitted to you. Your will, not my will. I'll do whatever. Jesus. Jesus. And that's our recipe. Submit yourselves to God. Everything I am. Everything I've ever become. Resist the devil because it's going to come after you. Trust me. Tonight, tomorrow are going to be the two worst days of my week. Because every time I come up here and tell you what God has to say, the next two days are my worst two days. You don't know that. Enemy comes in. It's like I was sitting in the wilderness for 40 days with no food, no water, which is not that bad. Trust me, I'm going to have coffee. I'm probably going to have tacos. It's going to be good. Might have a gyro, you know. Might have both in the same day. That's when you know it's really good. Resist the devil because he's going to come after you. But you've got to draw near to God. 
and in his goodness, you're going to find out that every circumstance is an opportunity for him to step up and show you who he is and what he wants to be in your life. But you keep running back to a world system like a sinner. You keep running back to a religious system. I don't know what I need to do. I need to just, I need to pray this and I need to call on all my brothers and sisters and do this. No, you just need to submit yourself to God. No, you know what I need? I need to, I need to get a new Bible study. And I, need to, I need to probably find out, you know, a new thing and a new this. And I'm all for that. But what you need to do is you need to quit playing around and submit yourself to God. And if you do, you'll find out that there's a goodness and a sweetness there that will cause you to repent, to mourn, to be in gloom because you just, you just, you want the goodness of God. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Watch this. I'll lift you up. And we trust our own lifting up more than we trust God's. Like, well, what Jesus, what God will probably do is like, we were up here. We were really living the good life. And then God's going to lift us up to right about right here, but not too. This is my God's ceiling. Not too much, not too little. Not going to ask too much, say too much, whatever. I'm just so thankful. And God saved me. He's like, no, no, no. I will lift you up as high as the heavens are above the earth. I'll mount you up on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. That's the, my idea. When you humble yourself to me, you come to me, I will lift you up. And your circumstances is where the pain happens. And then in the pain, you turn to others and judge them. You point fingers, they did this to me. If they hadn't done this, what would my life be? If I had never, ever gone that direction with them. And so then it becomes holy and you start going, yeah, don't go that route because I've been there and I know what happens. I'm telling you, they're just walking off the face of the earth. Yeah, they just really flew off the deep end. Thank God that I'm not there anymore. This righteous judgment. So when God says, stop judging, you can't even love people in the way that they need to be loved. You can't even reach people in the way they need to be reached. You can't even do all you need to because you're surviving and you're hurt and your hurt is turning you into judging other people. You should never have done that. I've always given you the supply. I've always given you enough. I've always given you the strength. I've always given you the provision. You should have no reason, no reason to ever point at somebody else and judge them. Yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, don't touch it. It's not yours. It's a hard sermon to preach. I wish there was more jokes. I wish there was a pretty story. I even had one, I thought. But I don't. It's just this. God is calling you to his goodness because of all the other things around you, you can't see it. You won't see it. You stop at every little dog that barks. You stop at every little fight. Some of you have been taken to things like Facebook and social media in order to get your message across about how everybody else is. God says, no, 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 submit yourself to me. Submit yourself to me. Submit yourself to me. I believe that it is the revival of this new millennium. That since 2000, 
It's another turn of another thousand years. God has been slowly but surely calling people to his goodness. And along the way, there's always another option. There's always another politician. There's always another fight. There's always another, you know, war. There's always another thing to get behind. And, and then we point fingers and go, that's not right. They shouldn't be doing that. That's not right. No, 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 no. You don't know what they did. I mean, what, can you believe it? God's saying, when are you going to ever come to me and let me heal you? When are you going to come to me? Taste my goodness. The devil's kicking your butt all over the world, all over the planet, in every situation. You go to sleep and you're still fired up. You're looking for the next person to fight. You're next, looking for the next relationship that will heal you and it will just destroy you again and again because you just won't come to me. And Jesus stood over the city of Jerusalem, a walled city of people just packed in. And he's just crying. And he's like, Jerusalem, people, people of God. You've been mourning, you've been wailing, you've been doing all this stuff, this religious activity. Half of you have given up and defected and moved to a different country altogether. We got sinners and we got double-minded. We got it all. Just weeping. It's like how I longed to just come to you and show you my goodness. But the only one would hear me was Zacchaeus. The only one who would come seek me was just this Roman soldier who just heard about me. You guys are looking for something else and I just want you to come so that you can be under my wings. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. Come near to me because I've come near to you. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your ways, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before God and he'll lift you up. Like the prostitute who's laid before a king and everybody else is judging. And he says, stand up. Stand up. Taste my goodness. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. We trust you. We follow your voice. We submit ourselves to your leadership. Lead us along still waters. In every circumstance that comes up, let us see that you're the good shepherd who would never, ever, never, ever leave us in the valley of the shadow of death, but you walk us to the places that you've intended for us, good and not evil, a future and a hope, prospering not to harm. We trust you with everything inside of us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. What you are in our lives is so valuable. It's the recipe, the recipe for it's you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you give God a big praise? Hug the person next to you.